shapeshifters on the money show my guests don't often annoy me they really don't I, I've, I've interviewed some some crooks i've inter- interviewed some interesting people i've interviewed some dodgy souls i've introduced them and interviewed some really inspiring individuals very few have actually irritated me even before they've walked into the studio tonight's shapeshifter is annoying um he is private school educated. Um, he's an inspiring guy. He started his first business when he was at school. Um, one of his teachers criticized his business and he thought to himself, yes, I'm on the right track. His name is Mike Eilertson. Um, and he has run multiple businesses in a, a relatively short career um, and is perhaps a model for entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial inspiration this evening. I don't know if you come across Mike Eilertson. Um, give us a shout this evening and uh, tell us what you think on 021-446-0567-011-883-0702 because you're one of those really annoyingly, perpetually optimistic, happy people, Mike Eilertson, it would seem from what I've read and from what I see. Thank you, uh, Bruce. I think that... Um, <laughs> see, I told you it was annoying. It, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I must tell you, I think it's, it's a very yeah. optimistic time for entrepreneurialism in South Africa, Why? through Africa as a whole. Um, there is just so much opportunity We get the benefit of learning from the rest of the world, seeing what up-and-coming trends are taking place. But then we've got one of the benefits of of phenomenal labor, phenomenal resources, the ability to draw on many things, and and with a very huge competitive advantage. There's such a lack of… The Reserve Bank says we're one of the least competitive countries in the world. We've got the massive unskilled labor force. They would say that you're smoking your socks on that particular point. They they are correct. We are the least competitive um, across the world. And that's why it is an entrepreneurial dream. It's a business dream right now. The opportunities are endless. You, in, in America, if you were to go out, um, we're actually about to break into the American market on, on our current business. And if you, the second we arrive there, we are going to have competitors within a couple of weeks. You don't get the opportunity to really break ahead of the game and, and get ahead of everybody else. Where in South Africa, you can come up, you know, our, our magazine went hardcover two years ago. To this day, no one has copied that, that concept. Mm. Uh, the magazine and went... Let, let, I want to build towards the magazine. I want to yes. build towards Live Out Loud where, where you are at the moment. Take me back to that first business, which as a youngster, you're at school, you're at St. David's um, in, in Joburg, um, and you come up with an idea... And that is to sell breakfast on the side of the road, which is not something that a boy from St. David should be seen doing. <laughs> uh, take me through the process that got you to that point. What do mom and dad do, for example? How, how do you get this entrepreneurial bug in your blood? Look, yeah, I think that um, some people get it from uh, through, through, through circumstance. For me, it's just been something that has always been inherent. Uh, from, from school days, I was always coming up with new businesses and taking on the tuck shop or selling marbles to the, to the playground kids. But, um, but for me, it really broke away. I just finished uh, um, um, my stewardship at St. David's and I uh, was starting a BCom entrepreneurship at, uh, at Rao, UJ now. And, uh, and the, the first thing that I realized is that, you know, we were going to be the first year out with this entrepreneurialism degree. And the principles... What year, what year was this? Uh, this was 2000. Okay. And the first thing that I realized up front was that there was just a lack of experience. They didn't know, you know, they weren't taking us down the right sort of road. And I thought, you know what, if I want to learn to run my own business, the first thing I got to do is open my own business. So not just to learn it from a textbook, to experience it firsthand. But there were huge constraints. Um, you know, I had lectures between nine and five. And, uh, and as a result, I was like, well, what can I do? And I said, well, between six and nine in the morning, I have available. And I said, well, what, what can I do between six and nine in the morning? And uh, we all know Joburg traffic. Uh, yeah. We all know four ways in Rosebank traffic. And, and I saw that as an opportunity. And I said, well, let me create 
a breakfast pack. A 10 rand breakfast, you've got a, a giant muffin, a fruit juice, a yogurt, a snacker, um, a, a, a series um, fruit juice, this whole little pack for 10 rand. And I'd get up at three in the morning, I'd start gi- baking these, these giant muffins. And uh, by six o'clock, I was standing on the corner of Jan Smuts and Conrad. And uh, that's where my that's first business. Black Gowrie and That's exactly that, that intersection. That yeah. intersection creates, the, because it was a one, it's a one lane little, uh, little road over there, it backs up for three, 400 meters. So I had a great opportunity. It was a 45-second robot. I had a great opportunity to engage with the guys. And, uh, and one of the biggest things that really was a breakaway for me was I created up this pamphlet that uh, said, my name is Mike Eilertson. I'm studying a B-Com entrepreneurship. And, I would, and the only way to study it is to, is to really learn it firsthand. And I will, as I'm learning my lessons, I'm going to pass those lessons on to you. So every week there was a new lesson that came out. Week one, I was, I, I was bragging about the benefits I'd saved 27 cents in bulk buying yogurts and fruit and all these things from there. Week two, I was learning that uh, stock has expiry dates and I was already <laughs> experiencing my first, uh, first stock loss. And uh, that's really where it began out for me. And, and creating that two-way conversation, this was before the days of Twitter and Facebook, at the end of the pamphlet, I think the biggest genius of, of what pulled right was it was never about selling the breakfast on the side of the road, but saying to the guys, if you have any ideas, if you want to engage, give me a call. Here's my mobile number. And I got calls and SMSs every day. People saying, oh, they so love the idea or this concept or keep it going. But as the weeks progressed and I told about my lessons, so people would just engage more and more. And they actually bought into the pamphlet and the story rather than the product. And that was one of my first lessons. People do not buy um, products, they buy people, they buy the story, they buy the brand. And uh, that was probably one of my first best lessons that I ended up learning. How, how long did that business last? That actually it, it exploded, funnily enough, uh, because what we did is someone SMSed me one day and said, listen, we want to have coffee as well. And, you know, breakfast is great, but come up with coffee. And uh, I landed up looking into that, that as a concept. And uh, I saw that Nestle had these coffee backpacks, yes. 10,000 rand a backpack. There were 12, they had 12 of them. My, one of my first mentors, a gentleman named Brian Whitehead, I got hold of him. And Brian said, Mike, these things are absolutely useless. There are 12 of them. You can come buy all, um, uh, all 12 of these backpacks. They were 10,000 rand each, and you can have them for 500 rand. So the next thing, you know, I had a 120,000 rand asset book on my base, and we were now selling coffee on the side of the road with breakfast. At this point, I was employing my entire entrepreneurial class. So um, we had breakfast <laughs> they, all over the over Joburg. Really, they weren't really paying as much attention or maybe no. too much attention. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, we were making some good money. But the most amazing thing is that overnight, Nestle got it between thirty and 60,000 telephone calls in the first two or three months saying that these backpacks were amazing. People were blown away by these coffee backpacks on the side of the road. And the next thing I got a call from Nestle saying, listen, Mike, we'd like to buy back our backpacks. <laughs> and uh, that's really where it started for me. Yeah. At that time, I, I went into negotiation with them, but I'd already uh, secured the exclusive rights for those backpacks. And you later saw them. Uh, we grew into the cricket stadiums and concerts. Yes. And uh, by, by mid, you know, by 2004, we were in every cricket stadium, every concert. You can imagine by the age of 24, I had uh, 50,000 hectoliters of beer, uh, over 300 promoter girls working for me. And uh, let me tell you, at 24, I was a life star millionaire i had all the beer i wanted in the world i had all the lovely ladies to work with and you will not believe bruce what a vip you are you can get anywhere in behind the scenes you can get access to anything if you attach 12 liters of beer to your back I must do this. I've often <laughs> attached 12 liters of beer, but not to my back. Um, but, but, and, and that makes you antisocial and not very nice to be around. Uh, but, but, but you look at it in terms of you're an opportunist. You spot an opportunity, you're an opportunist. But you don't simply settle 
for selling the stuff on the side of the road. You're looking to learn and you're looking mm. to grow the idea. And that's just such a mind-bending concept. And you evolve as the business evolves and your ideas evolve. And you're then also not satisfied with just 10 backpacks serving coffee at traffic lights. A lot of people are happy to stop at that point because it generates them a living and gives them the other eight hours of the day being, to sit and watch TV, for but, example. But that's where I think the difference in entrepreneurialism doesn't stop somewhere. Then you're a yeah. business owner. The business owner says, I'm going to, I'm happy to settle and run my own business. But then you're a business owner, you're not an entrepreneur. And an entrepreneur, by the very definition, is to push boundaries, um, recreate, redefine, reuse your current resources with new technology to recreate wealth. That's what, the, that's what really yeah. entrepreneurism is about. So I think that um, one you, of the critical did, things that people mm. get wrong in entrepreneurism in South Africa is that they, they misunderstand. You think you've got to go out and take a loan and have extraordinary business plans. No. You say, how much money do you have available? And what opportunity can be built out of that current base? At the first time, I only had 100 rand. So I created, I, I bought dough and muffins and yeah. that's how I created the first business. From there, I, did, I could afford 500 rand to buy the backpacks. And every business evolved out of the previous business and, um, and, and took me into a completely new space. I cannot tell you the number of emails from people saying, I've got this great business idea, but it can't happen because I haven't got the money. It's like, well, then, then, then park, it's not- park that idea. Do something until you've built up the capital for that idea. Do something completely Bruce, different. Actually, no, start completely differently. Yeah. Write on a piece of paper, and, and I think that is one of my favorite stories on, a, on my current business, is that start and say, what do I have? What is the time frame that I have available to make this work? Um, how long do I have to before I have to actually be able to put money in the bank? And once you have def- uh, defined your criteria and what space you've got to play in, then make the business match that model. It is a completely different way of putting it together, but you will not believe it allows you to become entrepreneurial, learn the lessons you need to learn, bet the farm, because that's what it's about. You've got sure. to be able to bet the farm and, and learn to get it right. You must read, and unless you have already, The Upside of Down. Um, <laughs> it, it is the book um, that we reviewed on the show on, on Monday. Um, and, and it is all about people and how we in South Africa don't tolerate failure. We don't tolerate people who take risk because we see people who take risk and who bomb out as failures. Um, the Upside of Down, I'm just getting the author for you. It's an absolutely wonderful book. We spoke to Megan McArdle, who yes. nowadays works at, at Bloomberg, and she gives the most extraordinary uh, personal accounts of relationship failures, all sorts of other things as well. Did you bomb at all in oh, this process? Look, yeah, I think that I will tell you by, by one of my businesses, I was 7 million rand in debt um, within the first year when I actually opened up the magazine because the businesses grew out of each other and I, I made my first money selling that backpack company and, uh, and I said, she's what am I going to do? Let me go into publishing and there was a couple of businesses in between there but literally within the first year and a half of opening that publishing company I was in over 7 million rand debt um, actually some of it was even in my personal capacity I even owes the tax man some money but, but, but you went from being a superstar at, at rugby venues with 300 girls um, uh, serving beer on your behalf yes. um, <laughs> to, to getting yourself into trouble I want to pick Completely. up how you got out of trouble in just a moment uh, my Mike in Orange Grove. Um, if I can get my mouse to work, there you are. Hello, Mike in Orange Grove. Tell me what your thoughts are. Yeah, um, just a very interesting uh, picture up mid-conversation. I don't know who the gentleman is that you're talking to, but I'm, I'm in the process of going through applications for business incubators, etc. And one of the comments that he just made was very interesting to me is in terms of, you know, um, people went through my financials and stuff and they said that I've made a loss over over the last two months, etc. But the reason I've made a loss is I'm trying a new avenue 
within my business. I've got quite a stable business selling furniture, and I'm, I'm trying to grow a design and development side out of that business. And I've made some losses doing it. And, and the only way to learn, I, I honestly believe, is by making mistakes. Um, and then once you've made those mistakes, hopefully you move forward. So I, I just thought it was quite interesting that he brought that up because even a lot of the people who are supposed to be there to help the entrepreneur, um, he said afterwards that people sometimes take their own approach to entrepreneurship. Those people are saying, do it this way. But when I hear what he says now, it makes me think back on some of the conversations I've had in the last week. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm delighted that he's, he, he's shaking your tree, Mike, in Orange Grove. Mike Allerton is the chief executive of Bolt Life and Live Out Live South Africa. He's had many businesses in the last 10, 12 years. Uh, he was telling us how he got himself into financial trouble. Because at some point, if you are a true risk taker and you are truly entrepreneurial and you do push the boundaries, you are going to overstep the mark and you are going to make mistakes. Did you make mistakes to get yourself oh, into big debt? Completely. Uh, Bruce, by the age of uh, 25, as I told you, I was actually in 7 million rand debt. One of the things that I didn't learn early on is that the importance of a phenomenal, I thought um, a bookkeeper was adequate for the company at the time, and and in most companies there might be, but I realized the benefit of a top-of-the-range accountant, and I I was only employing very entry-level bookkeepers, the only ones I could afford. And uh, they just didn't run. Run. The, I, over, I was overspending, and I wasn't being told that I'm overspending. I wasn't being told about cash flow projections, about budgets. You know, I'm 25, and I was. I didn't really. Uh, didn't Did you know finish that the I, Rao course, incidentally? No, I didn't. Uh, by the age of okay, uh, so you, yeah, ba- you bailed on. I bailed. Education. I bailed. Uh, it is. Uh, it has still been a, an interesting point. But I got an. I got a. I got a. An education in a completely different yeah. space, and I'm very I've often asked, would I go back? And I think for some people, a degree is very important, and I cannot, but uh, you know, they are spectacular and something that I'm a, I'm a huge custodian of. On the other side, I also believe that experience can equal a degree, mm. and uh, and I, I lecture to uh, to people who've got degrees. No, but, so, but, but that's the point. I mean, you've got this from the school of hard knocks. Give, give me a sense because a lot of guys like to talk about the successes. Tell me about I don't know the two or three biggest failures, the two or three mm. things that got, got you that you almost went, you know what, I'm going to go and get a proper job. First thing, entrepreneurs have a horrific, um, you know, well, they they always do the same type of mistake, and that is you employ your clones. People who are analytical get on with other analytical, logical people, people who are expressive, like uh, other, other expressive, and you relate to them. Your interview process then becomes flawed because you sit down and other people who are explosive and bubbly and out there, you, 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 you I engage. want your money. Exactly. Let's go. And you bring them wow. in, you bring them up. And the next thing, you have a whole bunch of people who talk a good game but don't necessarily deliver, aren't about the detail. And, uh, and the first thing is don't employ your clones. Diversify. Make sure your interview process is done by multiple personalities so that you're bringing in a wide range of skill sets from day one. Actually go as out of your way as possible to employ people different to you. That is undoubtedly number number one for me. And number two, employ a top-of-the-range bookkeeper. You, th- there is no such thing. An accountant is not a bookkeeper. Not to tell you what has happened, but to yeah. tell you what's about to happen unless you're back. And get undoubtedly, they, are worth, they, are, they should almost be in person number two because if you can control your cash flow, your projections and things correctly, you will never find yourself, mm. uh, you'll find yourself in a order. And number three, Grow into your shadow. You know, I think we all go out and we've got taught, you know, in order to, to have an empire, you've got to employ lots of people. No. Some of the most successful entrepreneurs I know and employ two, three people. The, uh, the point, though, is that grow into the space you want to. Set out to be a market leader from day one. 
If you set out to be on the sideline, that's all you'll ever be. Go out to be number one, not only in your city, to in your country, not in your country, within the world. Okay, so so big mouth. Um, <laughs> your Live Out Loud business is doing fine, but you've got, basically you've just launched yourself globally and you're trying to make inroads into Silicon Valley, which is all well and good for a guy who sold breakfast on the side of the road. <laughs> how, how, do you, how do you intend to crack Silicon Valley? Okay, I'll give you, give you a lowdown. So 15 months ago, I, I hit the biggest issue I had in my whole life. Uh, we had landed a huge function. We were all looking fantastic. Uh, we were doing all the big events for a major private bank in South Africa. And uh, the, it was the 3rd of October. The event was starting on the 1st of November. It was a six-month campaign. And uh, the next thing, uh, I was on a, a couple of days retreat in uh, Mozambique. And I got a call saying, bad news, they had moved it out to March. This meant that I was going to be a million rand short by the end of November, half a million rand short by the end of December, and half a million rand short by the end of January. Two million rand hole in the most difficult time. I was in the advertising to game at the time, and it's, it's one of the most difficult industries to get in November, December, sure. January. Those budgets are, are booked long before. Yeah. So that was, that was me, two million rand uh, debt and uh, a hole that I had to climb out in eight weeks. And uh, I sat back and said, well, what is it that I can do? What, where, are, where are we? What is the opportunity? And I came up with a concept that is, was called The Vault. It's now evolved into Vault Life. And the concept was simple. We, we had, I had four million rand of, of free stuff. As you know, being in the advertising game, we get sent stuff all the time. Nice suits, weekends away, watches. I need to get the- into the advertising game. <laughs> lies, Bruce, lies. The, uh, I think that's, um, so you get these, so we had four million rand of really awesome products, but they were all luxury products because I've come from the luxury industry. And, um, I said, well, let, let's create something that people can play every day and engage on, something very different. And we came up with a concept called The Vault. And the, and the concept was simple. Every day, what extraordinary items go into The Vault. An Audi with 369,000 Rand goes into The Vault for 45,000 Rand. A 100,000 Rand TV goes in for 10,000 Rand. A trip on, on, on a Cruises International. In one minute, how do I extract from The Vault and why is this taking over the world? All you land up doing is you log on to The Vault every day, you wait, and at some point during the day, we send you an SMS saying, stop what you're doing. In the next two minutes that item is going in you log on i log in everyone logs on you see the car going in you see it's for forty-five thousand. you wait as the item goes into the vault you click on the the item you one second i'm two seconds someone else is three seconds immediately it locks everybody else out who was not as fast as you and it opens up a payment portal for you and you have 60 seconds to get your credit card details in. Everybody is locked out. Everyone is hoping like hell you do not have that um, um, your credit card on you. And you are scrambling. You are pulling over on the side of the road. Your meeting is coming to a standstill and you are trying to get that item in. And it has changed the way people market overnight. Every day, the best items from around the globe. We're opening up in 89 offices around the world right now, 89 cities. And uh, it, the, the vault is going global on the 17th of September. And it has put us in a completely different space. And, uh, yeah, putting us in the heart of Silicon Valley. Mike Eilitz, uh, Mike Eilitz, and I beg your pardon, uh, the chief executive of Vault Life. Watch this space. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next. From selling breakfast on the side of the road to Silicon Valley. Tonight's shapeshifter, Mike Eilitson.